Good evening and a very warm welcome to you all. I'm Richard Koch and you're tuned to Classic 1027. The program is People of Note. It's broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. And in it, I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And we're doing it remotely today. And I'm talking to Paul Slabelepsky, who's in Linden. Welcome, Paul. Oh, thank you, Richard. Lovely to be with you today. Paul, I don't know if I pronounced your name correctly, Slabolepsky. Is that correct? Um, well, anything goes, really. But I've been called Swipelici, Slapemonobaksky, Pepsi. But the correct pronunciation is Slabolepsy. Uh, if you can say epilepsy, you can say Slabolepsy. There's no K. It's um, as you read it. That's so you say it. And and, it's been difficult. Yeah, so I bet it has. People, uh, yeah. My my name is very short, and I have difficulties too, as you can imagine. <laughs> the people call me Slab. I say, please yeah. call me Slab. It's so much easier. Yeah. Well, I notice your email address is Paul Slab. So, and, yes, and I take it it's Paul, is yeah. it a Polish name? Yes. Yes. My dad was Polish. He was a Polish M. And uh, he joined the RAF in in the uh, uh, Second World War, and he was in the Polish squadron, uh, and that's where he met my mother in England. So yes, yes. But my you've dad lived, is Polish. okay. But you've lived all your life in South Africa, have you? Yes, we emigrated. We came to South Africa uh, when I was two years old, and uh, I lived in Morofontein, Whitbank, Messina. Yes, I've lived in small towns in South Africa my whole life. Oh well, until I went to university, of course. And yes. I and you were at uh, UCT, I think. Yes, that's correct. Yes, but yes. Uh, how would you, if I described you as author, actor, playwright? Are there other things you can add to that as well? Well, yes, I started off as an actor, actor, playwright, and then I I direct plays as well. Um, um, so yeah, that's 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 what I do basically, and, okay, and, and I've done that's a lot a, of, sort of corporate theatre down the years. Yeah, but um, yeah, but it's kept you it's kept you busy your whole life basically. Yes, yes, I I went to UCT. I was going to become a sports broadcaster. That was my dream. To, okay. to, to um, be, I wanted to be the new Charles Fortune, do all the cricket <laughs> and uh, soccer, rugby, everything. Because uh, I played all sorts of sports at school and then uh, discovered drama at the Little Theatre uh, at UCT. And then, well, the rest is history. Yeah. And uh, when you were at school, did you take part in, in school productions? No, no. I, I, I was only introduced to theatre when I got to UCT. I knew growing up in these small towns, Messina, Petersburg, uh, Whitbank, uh, theatre was so far away. Um, I think the very first play I saw was at uh, drama school at, at UCT uh, when I was eighteen years old. But so, you were you were hooked. Um, you were hooked immediately. Yes, yes. I mean, I've, I've been a storyteller. I was a little kid. I found a nursery school. I found a Modafontein Dynamite Factory nurse, nursery school report, and uh, I was telling stories at age three and a half. <laughs> so um, I suppose it was always there. Yeah. <laughs> And I see that as as a teenager, you liked, uh, well, you obviously enjoyed music, but you were a, a fan of the Kinks. Yes, that's right. That's right. I, I um, That was my first. Oh, of course, everyone loved the Beatles and stuff. Yeah. But, um, the Kinks, I, I, that, that was my favorite group. Yes. And, and they wrote a song called Waterloo Sunset. And that's your first yes. choice. Here it comes. 
That was Waterloo Sunset, uh, performed by the Kinks, and uh, Paul Slabilepsi, who's my guest on People of Note, was a huge fan of this group when he was a teenager. But of course, that was a great era of music when, well, I'm not sure when you were a teenager because I have no idea how old you are, but it must be more or less well, the same period as me, I think, if you knew the Beatles yes, and, right. and Elvis. Yes, I'm a, I'm a child of the 60s, so indeed. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, 70, I'm, over, I'm 73 at the moment. So, oh, well, um, we're, yeah, we're very close in age yeah. then. Uh, close. So we, we yeah. grew up with the same sort of music. And, and one yes. of the other ones was um, Sounds of Silence. I remember it well. That's, that's one of your choices coming up as well. And uh, yes. Paul Simon uh, wrote it. But uh, what a beautiful song yes. it was. It was, yeah. Well, Paul Simon is just brilliant. Uh, I mean, so many songs, um, you know, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Uh, you, you, there's, there's so many wonderful songs that he's written. He was one of the great, great artists of the time. And uh, he was also one of my big favorites. Um, yeah. And when you started acting, so you were doing, uh, what sort of degree were you doing? A BA? Well, yes, I was doing, it was in those days, uh, Dua McCormack was at, uh, in Cape Town Studios, and uh, he devised, it was a, a BA broadcasting that you could do at UCT. So I had to study English drama. Um, you know, th those had to be on, the, you had those as part of your degree. Um, it's a straight BA, really, but yeah. it's tailored uh, towards broadcasting, and that's that's what I studied. Um and then I kind of went off to drama school was doing extra classes uh, because I enjoyed acting so much. I just dived in at the deep end, if you like. Yeah. And, um, and then after that, went and started the Space Theatre with the, the world, well, South, South Africa's first non-racial theatre hey. in 1972. So you were involved in the Space Theatre. I remember it. Uh, yes, because um, was a founder member. That's amazing because uh, I did a show there in, it must have been 1974. Uh, so this brings mm -hmm. back some memories for me too uh, with Tony Osler and, oh, gosh, yes, and, Tony. and yes. Norman Coates. Uh, yes, yeah. Norman Coates. He's a great designer. Yeah. He designed uh, Palace, Saturday Night yeah. at the Palace. There, our, our Which set. we'll, we'll yes. come on to that later. Yes, but Tony Osler yes. and I were teaching at the same school in England at that time. And we both were out here on holiday, and uh, yes. we did a show at the space in nineteen. It must be nineteen seventy four. Nineteen seventy two. I joined the Space Theatre along with Billy Flynn and um, Ethel Fugard was still there at the time. Yvonne Bryceland, of course, and uh, that was a wonderful year because we did so much theatre. Uh, we were doing lunch hours, afternoon shows, children's shows, rehearsing, doing shows in the evening, and that was a wonderful time. Whatever happened to the space in the end? Well, um, I think, you know, Brian, uh, Brian Asprey, uh, uh, he was a photographer and he found a studio and expanded the studio. Uh, it was mainly for Yvonne Bryceland and Athel Fugard that he created the theatre because we needed a space that wasn't linked to the, uh, the uh, arts councils. We wanted to do plays about South Africans uh, across the board, uh, no restrictions, audiences coming from all over the place, all colours, all creeds. And, uh, of course, uh, it was deep in apartheid in those days. And um, the only way we could do that was by um, starting our own theatre. 
and having a kind of a club. You have to, it was one cent to join the club. And um, so we, we performed for all audiences. There was, um, apartheid didn't exist yeah. at the space. How amazing. And uh, it was it was amazing. And we had security police in virtually every performance. We used to, Billy, and I, Billy Flynn and I used to look at the audience and spot the security policemen. You'd always see that it always looked a bit shifty, and uh, theatre wasn't the place they really wanted to be. So <laughs> it was quite a, it was quite a time. Yeah. Actually, that's yeah. that's quite that's interesting something. because I was the organist of uh, St Mary's Anglican Cathedral in the centre of Johannesburg, and uh, yes. we used to spot them in the congregation there too, looking incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that yeah, was amazing. in the in yeah, the eighties. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember yes. it well. Yeah. 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 Uh, now, um, and and I guess at times, were you ever shut down? Um, no, no. But um, look, I mean, I've, I've had experiences in later years as well of uh, the censor board coming along uh, and 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 uh, saying demanding that I remove certain things from the play, otherwise um, the, the, the play would be banned. Yeah, uh, you know, we had so we had instances like that. Um, in fact, I want, I'm trying to do a play at the moment called Cry Sis, which is uh, 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 um, we're doing a Barney Simon monologue called, uh, called uh, Joburg Sis. And uh, um, I did three monologues and someone complained. A censor board uh, said, you will remove the following. And they sent a whole list of what we had to remove. And, uh, yeah, it was a whole thing. So, yeah. so, yeah, we were living on the edge all the time in those days. But it was exciting. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah. And theatre was, you know, I always say theatre was the newspaper of the time. If you wanted to know what was really happening, you wouldn't find it in any newspaper. You'd come to the theatre and, uh, and, and you'd, uh, uh, you know, the, those great plays of those days, like Sinimali and uh, Warsaw Albert and, uh, you know, these are the plays that told the story of South Africa. Yeah. So I guess every now and then there were Sounds of Silence, which is your next choice. Sounds of Silence. Uh, yes. And this is a recent version um, done by yes. Disturbed. Just tell us about that. Disturbed. Well, yes, I, I picked this up someone on Facebook. Uh, someone said, have you seen this version? And I think uh, this character, I don't know who he is or what the group is, but um, it, it's a really a, a very powerful uh, rendition of, of, of uh, Sounds of Silence. And I believe this is how it should be done. That was Sounds of Silence, the choice of Paul Slablepsi, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. He's an author, an actor, playwright. Um, and Paul, I see when you were at UCT, uh, you were in a, a dance drama. And I, that seems a little uh, further from your comfort zone. Well, no, um, you know, we had a movement teacher called Tessa Marwick. And uh, she would do these, um, uh, you know, at drama school we did plays, we did Shakespeare, we did modern stuff, we did classics, Eugene O'Neill, we did everything. And um, also, uh, obviously, uh, in movement class we danced as well, did dance dramas. And uh, Tessa Marwick devised a show called M. And everything, it had Mazorsky, it had Mayle, John Mayle at the time. Uh, I think it was uh, um, bits of music from him. and. Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. Greta Fox, Sue Keel, um, all colleagues of mine were in the thing. It was a, a, a pretty good dance drama. Actually. Yeah. 
Well, and one of the pieces chosen because of M, I guess the name was Mussorgsky's Pictures at an Exhibition. Yes. Here's the promenade. Exhibition. That was the promenade from Pictures at an Exhibition by the Russian composer Modeste Mussorgsky. I'm talking to Paul Slabelepsi, uh, who's uh, locked up in his house in Linden, and I'm speaking to you from our uh, studios in Houghton. Well, earlier on, uh, we talked about the Beatles. By when did you start writing? Actually, I mean, you you are now acting. Uh, when did you actually start yes. writing, and how did you discover that that's what you wanted to do? What to do? Well, okay, I, I think I've told you when I said get it. Yeah. Nursery school. Where you, you were telling, telling stories, stories, yeah. And then when, when I was when I was at uh, Brothers of Charity, well, it was called College of the Little Flower, a Catholic boarding school in Petersburg, now Polokwane. Um, and while I was at college, I used to, if anything happened in class or anything with interest. I'd, I'd write. I'd, I'd write almost like write a thing like a drama. For example, if the brother in the biology class had said something, someone put um, someone would put the chameleons with the reptiles, you know. So I do the. I do a whole thing and write it like a drama. And uh, so, if someone got punishment. I'd, I'd, it became a little play, as it were. Yeah. And and so and then also there were all the soccer reports. At um, we play soccer or rugby, cricket. And I'd write the, the uh, uh, reports of the game and have one of the brothers would type out the game and then put it on the laboratory window. So uh, um, I, 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 I have these wonderful, like, Ricardo, Roaring Ricardo scores six in, in <laughs> ten goal thriller or whatever. You know, so it's all this. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, so, you know, there was a time to me becoming a sports journalist as well. In fact, I was the youngest writer ever for the Northern Review, which was the newspaper in Petersburg at the time, and I would write the soccer reports. And, of course, sometimes I played in the games. So if I scored a brilliant goal, I couldn't blow my own trumpet. So I'd say, <laughs> the left wing center ball screaming into the top of the net or whatever. You know. Anyway, so um, I, I, I kind of enjoyed I, – I, I enjoyed that sort of thing. That, that's where – I began kind of writing and getting carried away with, with um, yeah. uh, writing. I yeah. Did you ever? Did yeah. you ever play music or sing in a choir? I I was in a rock band at school. Um, well, we've, we were first of all we were called Leb and the Experiments because the leader was Paddy Bell. So Paddy Bell Bell backwards was Leb. Um, and one of the guitarists was a Lebanese guy. So we were called Lib and the Experiments, and we played in the rehearsed in the laboratory because <laughs> that was furthest away from the class. And then we became Standards Incorporated the following year. So, yeah, and I was the lead singer in the, in the, in the group. <laughs> ah, fantastic. <laughs> so happy memories of those days. Oh, yes, yeah. indeed. And, of course, we played all the classics, all the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and – all of that sort of stuff, the yeah. kinks. So we do all of that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and here comes the Beatles. This is uh, the classic Blackbird. Just uh, you, you love the lyrics, I think, more than anything. Yes, yes, I love it. That was the Beatles with Blackbird, the choice of Paul Slabelepsi, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. So then um, later on, of course, uh, when you were at UCT, other groups were then uh, coming forward, which you also enjoyed. And I see your next choice is a piece called Jefferson Airplane. 
Uh, and yes. uh, did you carry on playing in some group while you were at university or were you doing other things then? And I was doing other things. I, I, um, I, I, I stopped, uh, you know, the, uh, being in the band was at school and, and, and that was it, basically. I mean, when I, when I later in later years, I was in musicals, obviously, like uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I played Charlie Brown. Oh, It's a Lovely War at drama school. I played the MC. Uh, those wonderful songs. I don't know if you know uh, Oh, It's a Lovely War, uh, Joan Littlewood's yeah. wonderful uh, um, piece on, on First World War. Um, so I, I have been in a lot of musicals, uh, but I was at drama school and then in the professional theatre as well. Talk to us about your, uh-huh. your days at, at UCT. I mean, we've talked a bit about it when uh, you yes. were, were doing your uh, radio bro- uh, broadcast, BA Broadcasting. Yes. Uh, did you already yes. start broadcasting then? Uh, well, no, we had to go along to the Seapoint Studios sometimes in Cape Town, and um, uh, um, like uh, we had to create uh, um, things for drama. Like, for example, I, I had to do some sort of um, – I had to go and interview people, take questions, and then compile the whole thing. We used to make these little programs uh, as part of our studies. Yeah. There was also a little studio at the Little Theatre. In fact, that's how I discovered drama, because I was at the Little Theatre in the – radio recording studio and uh someone said oh you know there's a lovely play on in the theater there and that's when i saw robert moore's kabuki which was a japanese uh, uh peter dirk ace in fact peter, that's the first time peter dirk ace wore a dress he played a geisha girl in kabuki yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so peter was in his final year and i was in my first year at uct so yeah. that's how how far we go back, yeah. Peter Dirk and I. Yeah, that's amazing. So, <laughs> yeah. and just tell us yeah. a little bit about the uh, the difference between, uh, if there is a difference between doing radio work, for example, and live theatre, because obviously they have a different dynamic. Uh, and you were yes. sort of headed for radio, but you ended up in live theatre. Well, it's interesting how things work out because I've always had that association with with, with radio and microphones. I mean, I for many years, I did the public address at the Wanderers Cricket Stadium. I worked for Ali Bacha, Jonathan Rands, Bobby Heaney, a couple of others. We we used to, all the great games at the Wanderers, we'd have to man the microphone, do do the public address, you know, warn audiences about watching bees in their cool drink. and uh, welcoming the teams out onto the field. And, uh, you know, from a golf course end, it's Alan Donald coming in from the the golf course end, stuff like that. So um, I did that. And then also more recently, uh, a few years ago, I was head writer on a uh, a soapy on SAFM called uh, Radio VUCA. For eight years, I was head head, uh, writer on that. And um, so I was back in radio again. Well, uh, you know, it took me 40 years to get back to radio. Yeah. So so I've always had that. I have never, well, I say I left it. I did leave it, and I've left it again. But um, it was interesting to come back to something that I kind of started out in. Very yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, White Rabbit comes from your UCT days. Here comes Jefferson Airplay. That was White Rabbit uh, and Jefferson Airplane. Um, mm the choice of Paul Slabolesi, who's my guest in People of Note. Now, I notice uh, that 
one of the things you did in 1977, which is also way back, was to go on a meditation course in the Alps. Oh, yes. Tell us about that. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, no. At, uh, well, I started Transcendental Meditation when, in 1971. I had a girlfriend who was um, pretty involved in that. She'd, uh, she'd started this. And it was still the early days. And, um, uh, you know, these days, uh, uh, at that time, uh, meditation was kind of reaching the West. And um, uh, it, it, I thought I needed something to help me focus and concentrate on studying and things like that. Uh, also to relax because, you know, I've always been, uh, I'm this, like they, call, they used to call me the Duracell bunny because I'd be charging around nonstop all the time. And uh, meditation, I've been doing uh, meditation since 1971, and uh, it just settles one down, you know. And uh, so many more people know about meditation these days. You find mindful meditation and all these different kinds of uh, – and um, I, I've been doing it for years. And I went on a course in the Alps in 77, which was just remarkable. Uh, so just just tell us about that a bit. Does it – it just calms you down and helps you focus, does it? Yes. Yes, it's twice a day. It's, you do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening, uh, or like, like late in the afternoon, 5 o'clock. And, um, you know, your, your heart rate, I mean, there's been scientific experiments done on what happens to brain waves and things like that. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. In fact, I think it saved me uh, over the years. Um, uh, it, 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 you know, reduce, reduces stress mainly um, and focuses your mind and calms you down. It's, um, I don't think I could ever have done without it. I was so blessed to, to have found it. And uh, it's just been great for me. And I'd, I'd recommend meditation to, to anyone and everyone. I always have done. Yeah. And in fact, uh, we talked earlier about uh, Tony Osler. And he uh, yes. now lives near Colesburg in the Karoo at a place called Poplar yes. Grove. And he does that. He has meditation courses there. Um Yes, yes. In fact, I think I remember that that, that link. Yes, yeah. yes. And I mean, so many people meditate these days. It's uh, uh, I'm amazed. You know, in the years when I started, one or two people meditated. Yeah. And now, now, no, so, so many do. You know, so yeah. Many do. Well, and we need time to reflect, and we've had time to reflect. I think during this uh, lockdown period, how how have you coped with that? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, 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 <laughs> this year was supposed to be my year of performing on the stage because I've been writing plays over the last few years. Uh, at the moment, I was supposed to be driving down to Cape Town to do my new play called Borderline. And um, uh, everything was geared to me performing this year. But I've just had to go back to what I was doing last year, the years before, and writing again. So I'm spending a lot of my time at my laptop writing new plays uh, trying to pitch for various television uh, uh, series, and um, so for for me, it's it's um oh well, <laughs> back to what I normally do. Yes, uh, when I'm not performing. So for me, it's been very easy actually. Uh, no, 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 no stress at all. Yeah. Uh, obviously, staying indoors and not seeing one's friends and all of that has been dreadful. But but other than that, it's um, it's, it's, a, it's a world I'm used to. Yeah. yeah, and and you are quite a prolific writer. I, I think apart from Athel Fugard, you're probably our most prolific playwright in South Africa. So you've never you've never had a shortage of stuff to write about. No, no, I've written thirty five plays in all, 
and some films and television series. Yeah, I've, I, I just spend my time. If I'm not performing, I'm writing. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's been my life. Yeah. But you know, I need I need the jump. I need that. I spend. It's like I go into my cave when I'm writing. I'm at my laptop and I go into this cave, and you can't reach me. And then I come out and perform and jump on the stage and go and perform in Cape Town, Joburg, Durban, all over the place, and I travel, and that's what I love to do. So I have to have those two those two sides of me. I have to experience the going into my cave and then the coming out and uh, jumping around. Yeah. This is probably a difficult question for you to answer, but if, if you had to choose – uh, one of your plays as the most successful, uh, which has it been, or is it still to come? Oh, I always like to believe the best is still to come. I've had a few <laughs> favorite plays. Like one of my, my latest plays, Suddenly the Storm, has been very powerful. My very first one, which was uh, Saturday Night at the Palace, that was also great. But my most successful one was with Bill Flynn. Uh, Bill Flynn, and I wrote a play for us in 1995 to celebrate the Rugby World Cup coming to South Africa. And um, it's about two rugby fans, two fans who go to Ellis Park. They're going to watch the World Cup. And uh, that was my most successful play. In fact, that put put my kids through university, thank goodness. That's fantastic. Because, um, you, know, you know, you know the theatre, well, we know that there's no money. It's yeah. Absolutely no money. A bit like music, uh, really. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's... it's Terrible times. I've been through, my wife and I have been through such ups and downs in this thing. And uh, anyway, I wrote, we rode the crest of the wave. We rode the rainbow in 1995 and performed for three years. We did 578 performances and then we turned it into a film. Uh, so Heal Against the Head was my most successful play. Yeah. Well, Although it's, it's not... Not the kind of stuff I like to write most of the time because it's it was just a farce. Yeah, and um, I'm not totally into. I'm into more serious work. Yeah, um, but but it did combine two of your loves, which was uh, theatre and sport. And sport, absolutely, and yeah. knowing all about rugby. I mean, Francois Pinard, all the Corbus uh, Visser, uh, 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 you know, all all, all of the people, uh, all of the rugby players. I've been a friend of Mornay Duplessis, for example, since uh, our varsity days. You know, he was the Stellenbosch captain in rugby, and then he became the manager of the Springbok rugby yeah. team in '95. So, so all those links, I've kept my links with sports people down the years. Um, the cricketers as well, you know, Vincent van der Bale and uh, Rupert Hanley, a lot of, um, yeah, it's, uh, so it's, it's been great. I've been able to, to keep that association with sport going. Yeah. Uh, of course, I wrote plays like Life's a Pitch, you know, cricket plays, Life's yeah. a Pitch, um, a golf play called Hole in One. So um, I've written five or six plays yeah. to do with sport, which has been great. That's amazing. Great. Um, and have, have these uh, translated into international performances as well? Well, it's interesting. You know, I find it difficult. To, uh, yeah, I haven't jumped. Yeah. Done any jumps overseas? Obviously, I've taken players of mine overseas. I've done more street moves in Washington D.C., for example. Uh, in Australia, they did a um, uh, under the oaks and over the hill, my cricket and rugby play. Uh, um, but they've been small scale. I haven't had any big 
yeah. uh, overseas productions. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we took Palace on an international tour. We went to Sweden and Ireland and England. Um, and what, so I'd, I'd like it. I'd, yeah. What made that so popular, Saturday Night at the Palace? Well, it, it, it's the time it, it came, it opened. You know, we, we, it was early days at the Market Theatre in Johannesburg. And then I also took a chance, you know, the, um, the old Vic, uh, I, I said to Manny Manning, we've been performing at the market. To, to, we do, we've done two or three seasons. It, it toured the country. It was, it was a, blew everyone away. Having a, a, a roadhouse, you could smell the chips cooking. You could smell. So audiences, we had a motorbike on stage and we started the motor. It was a very powerful play. It was very visceral, if you like. And um, it was hugely successful. And then I just took a chance and uh, I wrote to the old Vic in London. <laughs> said, uh, you know, there's this play uh, that we're doing here at the market. And it landed on the desk of, um, I think the man's name was Andrew Lee, who was the artistic director at the time, landed on his desk uh, on the day that they were looking for a three-hander to slip into their big season they were doing. And uh, I said, here's a play from South Africa. And in we went. So we, 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 we got to, to the old Vic in London because I sent a letter and all the reviews to the artistic director. So it was a great, great story. And then we, then we did a world tour after that. Okay. That's so interesting. And yeah. your, your next choice, which we're going to hear now, is Southern Cross featuring Crosby, Stills and Nash. That was Southern Cross by Crosby, Stills and Nash. Uh, and that's, uh, you obviously like Crosby, Stills and Nash, do you? Yes, yes, I do, and that's one of my favourite songs uh, from them. I've liked them. I mean, so many of the songs I, I like, it. and uh, and that really places me in that time. A lot of people, youngsters, you say Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. No, no, no. Who are they? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I saw them at Wembley. I saw them at Wembley Stadium in the mid seventies, which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul, you said you mentioned in your in our last uh, chat section about. Life as a an actor and a writer being tough, and yes. I think it it probably always has been thus, hasn't it? Oh yes, yes, it has, and um, not only locally. I think internationally, you find a lot of actors who walk between jobs. Um, uh, it, it's um, it's it's really tough. You know, I think if you're in America or Britain. Uh, you know, um, we have a tougher in South Africa, uh, I think because of the numbers, the population, the, amount, the number of people who go to theatre. Uh, if you're in New York, for example, um, you know, there are so many theatres. There's Broadway, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway. And, um, um, uh, it, it, yeah, it always has been tough. And there's also not a lot of money in theatre because you're relying on box office so much of the time. And they're not subsidised in yeah. most theatres. And and how do you think that this the, the current lockdown is going to affect that? Because I mean, for us also as musicians, we're in a similar situation where all five stages of lockdown do not allow concerts, for example. Yeah, it's been devastating. Devastating. I mean, this is the most the most desperate thing about this time, uh, because. Uh, you know, live theatre is what it's about. Not, you know, I've been doing things online and, and, and recording things, but it is, you know, it, you need this, 
It's a communal thing, as you know, your music, you know, sitting and watching a symphony concert is so much nicer than listening to yeah. it on a CD. But it's, the same yeah, with it. you it's need also to got to engage. Do, yeah, it's got to do with the energy that you pick up from the audiences. Absolutely. It's a two-way street, and it always has been. So you want a lovely full theater, and, uh, and, and, uh, that, and they are desperate. You know, the, the plug was pulled. We were doing suddenly the storm at the Monte Cassino Theater and had to stop, literally. After five performances, and um, it's just it's devastating. Yeah. Because also, apart from anything else, we're not earning any money. Uh, that's all gone. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there are good times just around the corner, I guess. Yes, one would hope so. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So we're all on the bright side. Yeah, we're <laughs> always jealous yeah. of of people who who are now back. Well, we're not jealous, but yeah. we're envious but of them. And your next envious. choice. Is Jealous Guy. Oh, he's Jealous Guy, <laughs> Brian Ferry. That was Brian Ferry singing Jealous Guy, the choice of Paul Slavilepsi, who's my guest in People of Note. Now, here comes uh, something very special, and it's almost a year now since Johnny Clegg died, and I oh, see yeah. you used uh, Ossieza in one of your productions. Oh, yeah. Yes, when I, uh, I like to think I introduced Johnny Clegg to Washington, D.C., but obviously I didn't. I mean, <laughs> he was, uh, I, 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 I love to use, music is very important in a play for me because it sets the mood and uh, my choices are often very good because people afterwards say, gee, who chose the music? I say, well, I chose the music, you know. And uh, we were doing Moist Street Moves in Washington, D.C., and I chose this this piece by Johnny Clegg, and so many audience members came after the show, uh, come to me and say, oh, who is that music? Where, what is that music? I said, well, it's Johnny Clegg. Oh, where, where, how can we get hold of him? You know, and, uh, and I was able to sort of tell them, well, you know, uh, lead them in that direction. But uh, uh, I've lo always loved this piece. It's my favorite piece of Johnny Clegg's. That was Ossieza, The Crossing, by Johnny Clegg. Interesting also how Johnny Clegg seemed to appeal to the French, let's say. Uh, he had a big hit uh, with French people, and uh, somehow they just took to him. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Johnny Clegg is special. You know, I always love it that um, you're sort of celebrated outside of your own, co own country, yeah. you know, more than you are at home often. Yeah. Uh, he's so big in France, but also big in America too. I mean, I am now. I, I have friends in America who know Johnny Clegg, uh, and because he did do concerts over there, and um, uh, yeah, it's it's, um, it's it's fascinating. And I, I I think it's a mistake we often make as South Africans. We think uh, we try and copy the Americans if we're writing television, for example, for television. We try and copy the Americans, but we should do our own stories. That's what makes us unique. And people from overseas love this. And I think that's why the French took to Johnny Clegg in such a big way. Yeah. Actually, this is, uh, this is an interesting subject too, because Africa is rarely a continent of storytelling. Well, I think people generally are storytellers, but perhaps yes. because of its oral traditions, South Africa or Africa yeah. more so than other places. Yes, yes, yeah. And you sort of latched onto that when you were at school, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've always been interested in telling stories. And I've grown, you know, all the places I've grown up in and spent time in, 
Um, a lot of these characters appear in my plays. Uh, and I think I was very fortunate. Uh, my dad, he was a production engineer and moved around. Uh, and um, But I always lived in small towns. So you get to know everyone in the town. Uh, you walked everywhere. Uh, um, and... Um, yeah, so for me, and also living on the Limpopo, we used to run across the Lim, go down to the Limpopo, jump from rock to rock, and go across to Zimbabwe. You know, <laughs> it was called Rhodesia in those yeah. days. Yeah, but avoiding the crocodiles. Yeah, I mean, crazy yeah. as teenagers, we, we used to go across the river where people would be taken under the water by crocs. Yeah, but crazy stuff, crazy yeah. stuff. So, so many stories from my youth. Yeah, but also I think in small towns. There are often very interesting characters. Oh yes, oh yes, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've come across and I remember them too. Them. <laughs> yeah, and they appear in my plays quite often. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, your your another play that you had, uh, which was very successful, was Pale Natives. Yes, yes. Ninety four. Um, that must have been an interesting time to be writing too. In fact, we opened uh, in Cape Town on the day of the election, so the first democratic election. Yeah. Uh, April twenty, April twenty seventh, nineteen ninety four was our opening at the Baxter in Cape Town. We op- we opened in Joburg before. We opened in Feb of that year in Joburg, and then went down to Cape Town. Very successful play, uh, very powerful play, and, we, and was done recently again uh, four years ago at the Market Theatre. So. It was the 20th anniversary of that play. Very successful. And one of my favorite plays, too. Do you uh, produce most of your own plays, or have other people now taken them on as producers and directors and actors Mm -hmm. and so on? That's interesting, because what I've done is I, I, in the old days, um, I always said to Billy Flynn, I was going to write plays for us, because no one is writing plays for us. So that's got me started writing our plays. And normally, when I still do that now, I, I write a play, I, I gather together actors or find actors that I'd like to work with, say, listen, would you like to come in on this? It's just we're going to rehearse for nothing, and let's see what we can do, see if we can get on uh, to a theatre. So that, is, that has been my journey most of the, uh, of the way. I've, I've, I've written plays, found actors, and then sought out management. How would you like to put on this play? Sort of thing. So uh, now and again, I've had commissions, but they're very few and far between. Uh, I've, I've realized, you know, one has to make one's own work. Yeah. And, and, and that's how I've done it. That's how I've done it. Yeah. yeah well, it's more yeah. or less the same story with me with music. You, you know, you yeah. find a concert to do and then do it and hope that people yes. come. Yeah. People come. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that's my and story. one of yeah. the pieces we've played in many concerts is your next choice, which you used in Pale Natives. Uh, the Procol Harum hit Whiter Shade yes. of Pale. Here it comes. That was A Whiter Shade of Pale by the group Procol Harum, the choice of Paul Slabalepsi, who's my guest in People of Note. And that version was by Annie Lennox, which was used in, in Paul's uh, play Pale Natives. Now, Paul, I notice also that um, you have a wife who sings. Uh, where yes. did, is she also an actor? Or actress? No, 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 no. Carol, Carol was a ballet dancer. I met her in Cape Town when I was working uh, down there uh, in um, the late seventies, and um, she was a ballet dancer. And then um, uh, we had our children, and then she was a senior student. She uh, she decided when our youngest 
was four years old. She was going to go to university and she went to, uh, and did an art degree at Wits Tech. So she now, she's now a sculptor. She sculpts. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and yes, makes hairs and oh, different kinds of animals and things like that. So she's very talented, my yeah. wife. <laughs> Amazing. And, and also <laughs> sings, I see. She sings, yeah. In fact, it was Carol's voice that I remember I, I was visiting some friends uh, one New Year's Eve, I think it was, uh, around, around that time, Christmas time. And um, I walked into the house and I heard this person singing on a guitar. And I thought, if this person is as lovely as her voice, I'm gone. <laughs> and I went into the kitchen, and there she was, and she was as lovely as her voice. <laughs> that was that so. Was I it. heard Carol before I saw her. Yeah. I mean, she has the most amazing voice, and I've always said this. I mean, she could have been a singer, actually. Just, just she has the most amazing voice, yeah. and, and still has. And yeah. and here's yeah. uh, one of the a cappella songs, "May It Be," and it's sung here by Voce's Eight. That was "May It Be." performed by Voce's Eight, a great a cappella group. And Paul Slabilevsi was talking about his wife being a singer there also, and she uh, sings in an a cappella group. Uh, do you, have you ever sung on stage, Paul, or do you still sing on stage? No, I don't at the moment. I haven't, but I did for a long, for many years. I mean, yeah. what not? I was, I, I, the odd musical, I, as yeah. I said, I did. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Brown, good man, Charlie Brown, old lovely war. Um, and um, uh, I, I uh, we also did uh, a thing called Session with uh, Richard Haynes, Michael Richard, uh, Leonie Hoffmeyer. We um, uh, we we did this sixties sort of musical, and uh, I had to learn to play the drums in six weeks <laughs> from scratch. So there I, I became a rock and roll drummer in six weeks. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I've always I've always enjoyed singing. Uh, but I don't do as much. I mean, it, act, straight acting is is my thing, really. But I've loved I've loved music and yeah. singing. Uh, and I think having a band at school that was the greatest thrill at school yeah. of being in a, in a in a band. And yeah. what are you working on at the moment? You mentioned uh, something called Crisis. Yes, well, yeah, that's one of the projects. Yes, uh, play uh, Borderline was supposed to be a brand new play. It was going to open a theatre on the Square in May. This, uh, this past May, so and then we were going straight down to Cape Town. Now that's obviously it hasn't happened. So hopefully, when things clear up, I'll get that back on the boards. Yeah, but that'll be my thirty-sixth play. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, now I'm just interested also what uh, you think about all this online stuff we're doing because I see that the National Arts Festival in Makanda is also going online, but of course that deprives, let's say, the city of Grahamstown of a huge yeah. amount of its income. I know. It's it's, it's really it's rather so strange, yeah. It is. I mean, I can't imagine Grahamstown being quiet in June, July, in yeah. June, early July. Yeah, it's uh, – I know, we're, everyone's trying so hard to keep, to keep this kind of ball in the air, as it were. Now, yeah. look, I think it's important that we do – we, we do these things. I mean, my little play, I've written a 15-minute play for the market, which will be recording in a couple of weeks' time, just 15 minutes long. It's just to keep the actors working, to keep something going. But nothing can compare with live audiences, gatherings, people coming to celebrate theatre together. 
Uh, and you know, the sooner we can get back to that, the better. But obviously, everything has to be cleared up. You know, yeah. we've got to get over this COVID. Yeah, and now I see your your next choice is about Wembley. And I guess there must have been a massive audience at Wembley in the mid-70s in London. You, you, your oh, next choice is Old Man by Neil Young. Neil Young, yeah, great singer. So uh, were you part, were, uh, you were part of that live audience at Wembley? Yes, yes, I was. And, what, uh, tens of thousands? Oh, oh, yes, oh, yes. I think there were, there were about 72,000 of us in Wembley, I think it was. Yeah. It's a great Wembley stadium in, in London. You know, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just well, it was, you know, there was a time of hippies and um, flower power, flower children, and uh, days after the years after Woodstock. Yeah, uh, it was a great time for music, great time. You know, Bob Dylan and uh, the Birds, and uh, uh, for me, that was, the, that was the day of real rock and roll music. Yeah, stuff today, I just kind of, kind of can't handle. It. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you can, you can handle brilliant. Guitarists, and I see oh, you, yes. you've chosen a chap called Martin Pretzelek, who who does Beethoven yes. five on a guitar. Does Be- Be- Beethoven's fifth on a guitar on his own. He slaps his hand on the here his hand. He's a little young Polish guitarist, just an amazing talent. Yeah, it's it's just you cannot believe what he does. Yeah. yeah. Well, here it comes. That was Martin Pretzelek, a brilliant young Polish guitarist performing Beethoven 5 on his guitar. Quite amazing. <laughs> I'm talking to Paul Slabelepsi, who's my guest in People of Note. He is uh, an actor, an author, playwright, and director of his own plays. And I see uh, towards the end now, we're coming back home to South Africa, uh, which has been your home all along. And uh, Vusi Matlasela, again, that's from a play, uh, Suddenly the Storm. Yes. Yes, I used a piece yes. of that music in Suddenly the Storm. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful singer and guitarist. Yeah, well, I've been lucky enough to perform with him in concerts. Uh, Say Africa, we did. Well, we did a few songs, but I remember Say Africa, the dust on my boots and the rhythm on oh, my yeah. feet. Say Africa. Yeah. Such a great uh, song. Gosh, I- yeah, and I love his voice. I just love where he takes you with his voice. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, we're very lucky in, in South Africa with the variety of artists and the great talent that we have here. Uh, so it yes. makes these – I do quite a lot of crossover concerts with um, orchestras and uh, pop singers, really. Oh, uh, fantastic. And, and, I love uh, Vusi was one of them. And this, this is his song called Maibuye. That was Vusi Mashlasela with his song Maibuye, which was used in uh, Paul Slabelepsky's latest play, Suddenly the Storm. And uh, you were saying, Paul, that you're, you're writing quite a lot now while you're at home. Uh, are you going to sort of try and pick up where you left off before with Borderline, or are, are you going to go on to something new afterwards? No, no. Um, uh, the idea is to go back to, to Borderline and perform it around the country. We were going to go to the Hilton Festival as well, and all of these. We had the whole year lined up, actually. So it's you know when this kind of thing happens, you don't know what to do. <laughs> but um, that's that's the plan. And I'm also writing other stuff as well, like pitching for for television uh, uh, shows. You know, uh, uh, 
either one-offs or series. Um, I was also in a movie last year called uh, Mr. Johnson. A guy has been in a coma for 47 years. Uh, he has a motorbike accident in 1972 and wakes up in 2019, uh, which is a wonderful experience. Because yeah. <laughs> this man, man thinks he's still uh, 20, 26 years old. Yeah. While he's over 70. So that was a lovely experience. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just uh, I find I'm doing more work these days than I ever did before. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they say life begins at 60 for me, definitely. <laughs> I've, I've worked harder in the last 10 years yeah. than in my whole career before that. Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. But isn't and, it uh, nice, actually? I think I've I've more or less experienced the same thing, although I've always been pretty busy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it's wonderful just to be able to keep going as long as your health holds out, of course. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And also something else comes with it. You know, it's kind of a wisdom. I'm not as crazy as I was when I was younger. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm enjoying all my work at the moment, whether I'm writing for television, film, or, or the stage. But I, my best, my most favourite place is being on stage. I love to, I love to perform. That's 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 me, really. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't know how I can sit, and I do. I have to sit for months on end at a laptop. Yeah. But I suppose I have to do that for the end result. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that's where all artists, performers, musicians all want to be is back on stage. And as soon as we can do it, it will be great. Yeah. So your your final choice is uh, the Soweto Gospel Choir. Um, yes. Just talk to us about this one, Noyana. Yes, that that I use that as the, it's a final moment in suddenly the storm. It it uh, it was just perfect for you know I wrote the play and it's a very very powerful new South African play. It won best new South African play in a lady award uh, in 2016. It opened at the Market Theatre. Um, it was celebrating um, um, 40 years since the Soweto uprising. And um, the final moment of the play. Uh, just called for, for, for a piece of music like this, and it brought the audience to tears. Uh, really wonderful. Um, one of my favorite pieces. And here it comes, Noyana, sung by the Soweto Gospel Choir. That was the Soweto Gospel Choir singing Noyana, and it was the final choice of Paul Slabelepsi, who's been my guest in People of Note. And We've been talking quite a lot about when things ease up again and the play you were taking part in, The Chap Who Woke Up in 2019, sounds a bit like Rip Van Winkle. And we're all <laughs> yes. we're all going to be a bit like Rip Van Winkle when we wake up again after COVID-19 yes. and see how we pick up the pieces. It's going to be quite an interesting process. But, yeah. Paul, thanks very much for sharing your thoughts with us here on People of Note. And we look forward to seeing you back on the boards when it's all over. And uh, I just, I hope everything does come right and that very soon we're all back where we ought to be. Yes, thank you, Richard. I, yeah, I really hope so. And thank you so much for this. I really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to all of you at home for listening. I'll be back next Sunday with another person of note, so I hope to have your company then. But also thanks to Matabataba Hadebe, who's helped us put this program together. And until next time, from all of us here at Classic 1027, we say a very good night.